My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. It took four hours to get across the border. When the driver pulled up to the checkpoint at the river, he said to himself, Well, I'm in luck. Only half a dozen cars. This should go quickly. But when 40 minutes had passed and the first car was still being inspected, he thought, poor fellow, they must really have something on him. But when that car left and the next inspection took half an hour, the man began to worry. Literally everything in that car was taken out and spread on the ground. The fourth inspection lasted well over an hour. The guards took the driver inside and kept him there, interrogating him while others outside removed his hubcaps, tore the engine apart, and removed the seats. Dear Lord, the man said when there was only one car ahead of him, what am I going to do? Because with any serious inspection, they will discover these Bibles I'm illegally smuggling into the country. What should he do? What would you do if you, were, if you were facing a meticulous communist border search and your, and your little V-dub was packed with illegal contraband Bibles? Now, if I polled the room, I'm sure I'd get a number of different answers. You know, maybe if you have a family and you're in your minivan at the border, you'd say, quick, kids, get out, create a diversion. <laughs> or maybe you would try to bribe the guard or... Or maybe there's more than a few of us in here who would say, I'm going to take that, turn that little VW around and head back to safer territory. But when you think about it, he really only has two choices at that border crossing. He can go forward in faith, or he can turn back in fear. If, you know, if he goes forward in faith, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He faces uncertainty. He may end up in a third world prison. Ah, but he also might experience a miracle. And the thrill and the wonder that goes with seeing God work a miracle. Or on the other hand, he could turn around and and he would probably be safer that way. And he would also experience very little wonder. Especially if he knows that God had given him this work of faith. When you think about it, every single follower of Jesus faces border crossings. You cannot escape them. And at every single one of them, you have a similar choice. You can go forward in faith, or you can shrink back in fear. And the hard part about it is you know that every single one of those decisions, you don't know the consequences of the decisions until after you make the decision. It's at the border that we face one of life's dilemmas. It goes like this. To access the miraculous, you have to risk the disastrous. 
To access the miraculous, you have to risk the disastrous because the thrill of victory always sleeps right alongside the agony of defeat. And don't miss this, my friends. Your capacity to experience beauty, joy, wonder in your relationship with Jesus is determined at the border. Now, border crossings come to us in a variety of forms. Uh, A lot of times they come from our own decisions. And for example, Amy and I, my wife and I, when we were newly married or, you know, it had been just the first few years of marriage, we were living a pretty comfortable suburban life up in the Seattle area. I was uh, working as an engineer at the Boeing Airplane Company. She was finishing up postgraduate work to become an elementary school teacher. When we sensed God stirring in our hearts to to give up these professions that we had trained to do and instead go uh, work as an organization and in serving in a missionary organization, strengthening marriages. Now that not only meant leaving that training that we'd poured all the time and energy into, it also meant talking to friends and family and those people around the country to give to the organization on our behalf, and that's how we would gain a salary. It also meant moving from the beautiful Seattle area down to Little Rock, Arkansas, a place we'd never lived, a place where we knew no one, and a place where it has every single bug, spider, and snake, I think, on the planet. Most of which are poisonous. I mean, sure, we have a lot of spiders around here, a little annoying, but you don't fear for your life as you go to sweep away those webs. Not to mention your Little Rock, Arkansas is right in the middle of a tornado alley. So we faced a border crossing, if you will. Now, we could go forward in faith, believing and trusting in God's provision for us, or we could shrink back in fear and do what was culturally expected of us. We chose to go forward in faith, and we're so glad we did. A border crossing is what got us here in Hillsboro, Oregon, 11 years ago. We sense, again, God stirring in our hearts, and this time it was to be a part of a church startup in this area. Now, as with the case with church startups, you know, they couldn't afford much in the way of payment, you know, paying salaries for pastors. And, you know, you have to have leaders in order to grow a church. You need to grow a church in order to afford leaders. And so in that gap, God, we felt God calling us to step in. But we didn't know how we would pay, be paid a salary. So again, stood at a border. Would we go forward in faith, trusting God's provision? No, by the way, we had four kids at this time, and, and well, the oldest one was about to be a teenager. Or we could shrink back in fear and go find something that was a little more safer and comfortable. And again, we chose to go forward in faith. And in so doing, we saw God provide for us in some amazing ways, some improbable ways. They're border crossings. Now, a lot of them come from our decisions like that. But a lot of the border crossings, they come to us. In fact, the world around us is changing so rapidly, we are constantly confronted with border crossings of various kinds. And the change that we're experiencing is increasing exponentially. I mean, think about it. In the scope of all of human history, the amount of change that has occurred, most of, which, most of it has occurred in the last 150 years. Take travel as an example. 150 years ago, few of us in this room would have traveled outside of a radius of maybe 10 miles or 20 miles at tops. Now, you can get on an airplane, you can go to the other side of the planet in a few hours. And we think nothing of it. We think nothing of the change that's going on around us until we realize that every change that comes to us is like a border crossing, and it's going to confront us with a decision to make. 
Now, it's easy to think of major things like those life decisions or major changes around us as border crossings. But I think every day we face daily choices that can also be fearful border crossings. Uh, Tomorrow morning, you get up. Will you spend some time before you get on with your day reading your Bible, reflecting on it, praying, interacting with the God of the universe? Because after all, if you want to grow spiritually, that's the number one thing you can do. But if you do that, how else are you going to get to everything else on your agenda for the day? At the end of the workday, will you leave some work incomplete, undone, so that you have energy left for your family, for your neighborhood? Because after all, if you do that, you might not get that project done. They might not look favorably on you. You might lose your job. Every day we face, in small ways, small decisions that can also be fearful border crossings. And, and here we stand at the beginning of a new year. It's 2019, hard to believe. And, and we can think of a new year as a border crossing. No one of us knows what's going to come this next year. It might bring a job change. It might bring a move. It might bring a birth, a death. It might bring an illness. You might recover from an illness. Any number of challenges and hardships could come this year. We don't know what change will will occur, but what we can know is this. Change will come. We will face border crossings in 2019. Some big, some small. And each one will bring a choice. Each one will bring a decision to make at the border. Because what we can know to be true, at every single border crossing, you can go forward in faith or you shriek back in fear. And this morning what I want to do is I want to show you two simple verses to help you at every border crossing. In fact, I want to make a promise to you. If you would memorize and meditate on these two verses, you will find in them everything you need to navigate the border crossings that you come across. How's that for a promise? Well, they're found in Proverbs chapter 3. It's verses 5 and 6. Where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Now, in these verses, I believe we encounter two important questions. And based on how we answer those questions, we have one make remarkable promise. Now, the first question arises out of verse 5. So, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. To understand this verse, we need to understand a little bit about Hebrew poetry because that's what this is. In Hebrew poetry, the symmetry of the verse is found through parallel thought. I want to highlight this because that's different than English poetry. In English poetry, the symmetry is determined by meter and rhyme. A silly example. Jack and Jill went up a hill to fetch a pail of water, right? You can hear the kind of the sing-songy rhythm and, and meter in that. And that's how English poetry works. It's not how Hebrew poetry worked. Hebrew poetry works through parallel thought, often in the former what are called couplets, two lines that are teaching the same thing. But you get the truth of it by comparing the two lines. So in this case, we compare two things here. Trust in the Lord and leaning on your own understanding. And when we compare these things, what what comes out of that, what we can learn from that is this. That trusting means leaning on something. 
Okay? Trusting means leaning on something. So I just want to illustrate this with a simple example here. I'm going to put this music stand over here. Now, I have two objects on the stage here with me. I've got this table that I've been preaching from, and now I have this music stand. Now, let's just say I'm tired. You know, I'm no spring chicken anymore, and, and you know, it's been a long week. And they may, not only did I preach this morning, I had to preach last night. And so I'm tired this morning, and I want to lean on something. Now I have two objects to choose from. Now, in the choice to lean, I understand that it's not, the issue isn't the action I will take in one case or the other. I'll do the same action. The issue isn't the passion or the sincerity that I exhibit as I lean on one or the other. The issue is, will the object on which I lean have the substance and the character to hold my weight? So I could choose this table on here and I could, I could lean on it. And I discover, wow, it not only holds me, but whew, I can rest a little here. Huh. You don't mind if I just hang out here a little bit, do you? I feel so much better now. So I can lean on that table. Now, I could lean on this music stand. I, I best not, because what will happen is I'll end up on the floor over here, and our wonderful safety team member is going to have to spring into action and call EMS or something, and then who will preach the rest of the message? Any volunteers? <laughs> the same is true with what we're learning in verse 5. The, the question isn't whether or not you're trusting. The question is in this given moment, especially at border crossings, what are you trusting in? That's important question number one. And in this verse, we see two objects potentially for our trust, or two, two, you know, I can trust in the Lord, two directions for our trust. Trust in the Lord, or I can trust in my own understanding. Now, if I trust in the Lord, I'm trusting in someone who sees more than I can see, who knows more than I know, more than I can ever know, and who has resources beyond my understanding. That's one choice. The second choice would be to lean on my own understanding. And when I do that, I limit myself to what I can observe and what I can understand. And frankly, that's really not faith. What we might call that faith. Really, that's faith then becomes window dressing, if you will, for self-determination. This would be when we pray something like, hey, God, I just want to let you know I got some great plans. I got some great dreams. And would you be on hand just in case you know, I, I need some help along the way? You know, we may not be that blunt, but that's a lot of times the form of our prayers. That's the form of our faith. And quite frankly, that's no faith at all. That's just cover for stretching my own ability and my own understanding and then having God available kind of as a backstop. That's not faith at all. That's totally different than putting my confidence in the Lord, in the character of the Lord and his abilities. You know, I mentioned earlier that Amy and I moved to, to Arkansas, and we ended, up lead, we ended up living there for about 10 years. And along the way, I made really good friends with this, with this particular pastor, and, and he told me a story about a guy that had been a part of his church. It was somebody that before he came, made a decision to follow Jesus, he'd made a regular habit, an annual habit, of submitting fraudulent tax returns to the IRS in order to save some money, in order to save quite a bit of money from what I understand. And then he was introduced to Jesus and he, devoted, he gave his life to Jesus and began to reorient his life towards Jesus and toward his ways, which meant he no longer submitted fraudulent tax returns. Fast forward a few years. 
And he found himself, as he was filling out his tax return for this particular year, he found himself praying. Not the kind of prayer that maybe you and I would pray, like, oh, please, God, let there be a refund this year. <laughs> Not that kind of prayer. It's a pretty good one. But in, in his case, he was, it was more like he was celebrating with God that he not only no longer was cheating on his taxes, but he had no desire to cheat on his taxes. And that's when he heard the still, small voice that God often speaks with in his heart, saying, what about all those old tax returns? Now, if you're like me, you'd think you'd respond, what about them? That's, that's, that's in the past, right? That's covered by grace. That's covered by the blood of Jesus, right? That's forgiven. That's gone. Can't we just let bygones be bygones, Lord? But this man could not escape the conviction that he needed to take responsibility for his past actions. He stood at a border. <laughs> Would he go forward in faith and trust in God's provision, realizing that he could face some pretty serious consequences Or would he shrink back in fear and pretend he'd never heard the voice of the Lord? And this is where my friend came into the picture because he he came to to my friend as a pastor and and shared the story and was looking for some advice. And my friend asked him, have you talked to a lawyer? And he says, yes, I have. And he said, what did the lawyer say? He said, let sleeping dogs lie. (laughs) As only a good southern lawyer could, right? And this is where the man looked my friend in the eye, and this is why it was so memorable for him. He looked him in the eye, he says, but I want to hear from somebody who won't protect me from the truth, but will protect me in the truth. And he realized they're now on holy ground. And so they got on their knees and they prayed for, for wisdom from a greater advocate. And I'll tell you, both prison and penalties were, were like, were possible for that man. And thankfully, he only got penalties but he got no leniency. In fact, he got such a stiff penalty. His, his family's budget was, was troubled for years. And I remember at the time wondering, wait a minute. You know, he was following Jesus and he took a step of faith and still that happened, crushing his family's budget. I mean, well, I don't understand, Lord, what's going on here? I mean, perhaps if he had the opportunity to, to share of the love of Jesus in the courtroom, maybe that would make it worth it. But the judge didn't give a rip about his love for Jesus. Maybe if his lawyer or, or the prosecutor or the IRS agent or somebody came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, maybe that would make it worth it. But last I heard, they all thought he was an idiot. But make no mistake, a miracle did occur. That man heard the voice of the Lord, and when he obeyed it, he still continued to hear the voice of the Lord. And as he continued to obey it, people around him began to see him as a man of integrity, and they began to put their trust in him as a leader. And he tasted more of God's goodness than he ever imagined possible. Because he leaned on, he put his trust in, the substance, the character of the Lord. And it made all the difference. To every border crossing, first question is, what am I going to trust in? Or who am I going to trust in? The second important question that comes out of these verses comes out of verse 6. So the first question, what am I, I going to trust? Or what am I trusting? And the second question is, is who am I, what or who am I focused on? Notice in verse 6, it says, In all your ways, acknowledge him. Now, the translation of this word, you know, acknowledge, 
It's an unfortunate translation because I believe our understanding of that word is rather suspect. When, we, when, when you hear the phrase, acknowledge him, likely what comes to mind is, you know, kind of just remembering God along the way. Okay, so if I experience success in my business, I acknowledge that God helped and provided me so that I could have success in my business. Or, or maybe, you know, the, the, the NFL playoffs are going on right now, and, and maybe you see a, a player score a touchdown, and, and he does something to acknowledge God, you know, something, you know, point to the sky, or maybe he makes a, a sign or something like that, or afterwards gives testimony to the Lord for giving him the amazing gifts to score a touchdown. That would be acknowledging God. But that's not the, that's that, in the original language of Hebrew, that's, that this, this word had an active, forceful sense to it. And so I think a, a better translation might be to say, in all your ways, know him. In all your ways, know him. You see how that changes things? It changes the whole orientation of the verse, quite frankly. It changes it from, like, remembering God or acknowledging him or, you know, to making it about life purpose. The focus changes Now, knowing God becomes central to everything we do. Now, instead of just acknowledging or recognizing God for helping me succeed in my business, no, now I choose every aspect of my business with a single-minded purpose, to know God through my business. This is like the difference between putting God's name in the credits of a movie and making him central to the plot. In everything we do, anything I do, I do for the purpose of growing in a deeper knowledge of my Creator and Lord. Because He wants to pour His life out in me and through me so that I might partner in His work on going on around the world. He doesn't want to be merely recognized as a reason for my success. And I want you to think about how this affects every decision in our lives. I think of how I, as a pastor, often get asked the question, What's God's will in this situation? I get that. I ask that. And, and it's a common question for people. What's, how do we know God's will? Well, this verse becomes kind of really the definitive verse on knowing God's will. What, what's God's will? To know him. And to make the, the purpose of every action to know him more. So I think, let's take an, a, a pretty common example, a question that I'll get, and that is maybe a young man comes to me and he's asking, is it, would it be God's will for me to marry this young lady? It's a good question. So what do you do? I'd say first, you know, you, you know your scriptures and you know what I would call the wide boundaries of God's will. You know, we as good Americans, we think, you know, freedom means no boundaries and there are boundaries, right? And, and, and I would call them, though, the wide boundaries. And so, for example... If you're married, no, you don't have permission to marry her. If she's married, no, you don't have permission to marry her. Right? That may sound obvious, but that's part of the wide boundaries of God's will. Another one that gets a little maybe more difficult is if you're a follower of Jesus and she is not, no, you don't have permission. God, you know, through Paul and to the Corinthians said, do not be unequally yoked or bound to an unbeliever because marriage is about more than marriage. It's about knowing God through the marriage. Okay, so those are the wide boundaries. So then, well, is it God's will for me to marry the young lady? Well, that's where this verse comes in. Will marrying her help you to grow to know God more, or will it hinder you from knowing God more? You see how that works? 
And I'm not talking about wishful thinking either. I'm talking about the evidence right now in your relationship. When you are together, are you seeking more of God together? As you interact with her, as, when she responds to you, is it causing you, is it causing her to know God more and to follow more of his ways? Bottom line, if, if you marry her, will this relationship cause you to know God more and, 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 and to follow his ways more passionately? And if you answer yes to that question, then is it God's will? Well, go for it. <laughs> go for it would be God's will. It's not that he has these very specific steps in mind for you that you need to try to figure them out along the way. When it comes to marriage, there's this, I would call it a facade, or, or you know, that you have to, there's some kind of soulmate out there for you, and you've got to find who God has in mind, and that's not how God works. Wide boundaries, seek him to know him more, trust him, and then go for it. Do you hear the freedom in that? Like that's what this verse is leading us towards. So in that job change you're considering, will it cause you to accelerate in your knowledge of God? With that new house maybe you're looking at, will it increase your ability to know Jesus by bringing his good news to your neighbors around you? That vacation you're considering, will it help you to rest and discover and enjoy the Lord in a fresh new way? Proverb writer says, in all your ways, know him. Jesus reiterated this as well in his, one of his last messages to his disciples. It's captured in John chapter 17, where he writes this. He says, this is the way to have eternal life. Not just life after we die, but, you know, as we know, as we, give, as we pledge our life to Jesus, eternal life begins now, the best kind of life now and lasting for all of eternity. So you want into the best kind of life that lasts for all of eternity? How do you get in on it? That you may know you, the, tr- the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he sent. To know him, that's the central purpose. So two important questions in these verses. What am I trusted in? What am I trusting in? What am I focused on? And when we ask those two questions at every border crossing and then answer them with the wisdom of this promise, we can then look for God's God's phenomenal promise. For all who trust in the Lord, for all who keep knowing him, their primary focus, here's the promise. He will make straight your paths. And you may wonder, well, straight, what, what, what path to where? And this is, this is where this becomes actually an, an interesting partnership because the path that he would give you a straight toward is to know him because that's the central purpose, right? So this is a partnership. My job is to trust in the Lord. My job is to orient all my ways toward knowing him. His job is to make straight the path to getting there, to knowing him more. You may, got, may ask though, what if it isn't the path that I would choose? That's not your part. Path choosing is God's part. You may say, well, what if the path isn't comfortable? It's like, well, comfort isn't the goal. Knowing him is the goal. And and one of the names that he's known known by is a suffering servant. So that might just give you an idea. And, And what if the path is lined with wealth and influence? You say, isn't that great? And I would say, maybe, because wealth and influence isn't the goal. 
if God grants you a path of wealth and influence, it's because he wants you to know him and to orient your ways towards knowing him through wealth and influence in the same way that he would want you to know him and to orient your ways towards knowing him on the path of poverty, should he call you there. You see how that works? So here we stand at the beginning of 2019 at a border crossing. So I want you to consider the the goals or the resolutions that you have in mind. And maybe you're a formal goal setter. You know, you got your top 10 for the year. You got it all listed out. You know, I, a friend of mine and I, we, we laugh now because, you know, not that many years ago, we would have like our four pages and we have goals and we'd have points and sub points and all that. And we'd get about a, two months into it and we'd just throw it all out, you know. A little simpler now. But if you don't have formal goals or resolutions, just what's on your mind? What's on your heart? What's your desires for 2019? You know, maybe there's some, some of the standard ones. Maybe you want to lose some weight. Maybe you want to exercise more. Maybe you want to earn more money, find a new place, new job. You know, some, what I want to challenge us here at the beginning of 2019 is based on this verse to have one central goal for 2019, to know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ that he sent. No matter what this year brings, whether it's expected or unexpected. So what that might look like, what that might look like. Well, this morning, I just want to talk about how we are together as a church might help each other and why we even, why we exist as a church. And so maybe for you this morning, the border crossing you're standing at, maybe you've been standing there even for a while, and that is for the first time to devote your life to Jesus to cross that border by faith and say, I'm not going to be the sovereign one in my life. I'm going, to, I'm going to turn to him and to be sovereign, to follow his ways. For the first time, start this new year by becoming a follower of Jesus for the first time. Maybe for you, you need to take up Pastor James's challenge. He mentioned it again last week. You know, he does it every year where he reads through the entire Bible in a year to get that, this scope of the story of God and the story that we find ourselves in. It's a great way because remember, every, every day or as many days as you can, if you can start it or, or in some, find some time to read and reflect on the scriptures, it's the number one way. Research has shown this. The number one way you can know him and grow spiritually. Or maybe you need to get on the discipleship pathway here at Sunrise that, that Lene just talked about. Connect, grow, serve, lead. Maybe you need to connect with God and others. You need to quit just attending church. You need to start living as the church. And so maybe your first step is this next, this next Saturday to come to the Connect class. Maybe you need to say, I, I, I need to prioritize time to grow relationally. I need to get into one of these groups that are launching. I need to start serving and not quit being a, a spectator to be a participant in this kingdom work. Or maybe I've been per- participating for a while and I need to take those steps of faith to lead because that's, just, that's pretty scary. Maybe you need to take this following Jesus thing to a whole other context and, and get on one of these mission teams that you hear about. We got teams this year going to Rwanda, going to Cuba, going going to India, going going to Mexico. And there's something about following Jesus in a whole nother context, not only serving God and partnering with Jesus in the work that's going on there, but the work that he does in us when we see him in a fresh new way. How can the church, how can we as the church help you to know him more and to help orient your your ways towards knowing him more? But no matter what you choose, no matter what path you get on, 
This morning, I just want to challenge each one of us to lean into these questions, these two important questions, to trust in God's phenomenal promise and to take a step forward in faith. Well, the story I read at the beginning of the message, it, it comes from a real-life account from a man known as Brother Andrew in his book, God's Smuggler. How about we take a look at how it ends? Lord, he prayed, I know that no amount of cleverness on my part can get me through this border search. Dare I ask for a miracle? What if, what if I take out some of these Bibles and, and just leave them out in the open where they can be seen? Then, Lord, I cannot possibly de- be depending on my own strategies, can I? I'll be utterly depending on you. And so while the last car was going through its chilling inspection, he managed to take out several Bibles from their hiding place and pile them up on the seat behind, beside him. And then it was his turn. He put the little VW into low gear, inched forward to the officer standing at the left side of the road and handed over his papers. He started to get out of the car, but the officer's knee was against the door, holding it closed. The officer looked at the man's photograph on the passport, scribbled something down, shoved it back under his nose, and abruptly waved him on. Surely 30 seconds hadn't passed during that inspection. The man started the engine. He inched forward. Was he supposed to pull over out of the way where the car could be torn apart? Surely no. He coasted forward. His foot poised over the brake. Nothing happened. He looked out of the rearview mirror and saw the guard waving the next car to stop, telling the driver to get out. He drove a few more yards. Now the guard was having the other driver open up the hood of his car. And then the man was too far away to doubt that he indeed had made it through that incredible checkpoint in the span of 30 seconds. His heart was pounding But not with the adrenaline rush of the crossing, he was thrilled with an incomparable excitement from having caught a spectacular glimpse of God at work. Church, imagine if we went into 2019 with that kind of faith. Imagine the difference it could make in Hillsborough and beyond as we follow this one who loves us more than we can know and who loves our city more than we can know, and invites us to participate with him in the work of faith. Would you pray with me? Spirit of God, believing again that you are in this place, that your word is powerful. We only examined one small verse out of the, out of the whole Bible, and yet it is loaded with truth and with reality of what this life's about. So would you, right now, as as things maybe come to mind, I just ask everyone in here, what comes to mind? Where are you struggling to trust in the Lord? Where are you apt to lean on your own understanding? And in that place, just, just pray and ask God for courage to trust him, and to take a step forward in faith. And make the purpose, the central purpose in that place to be to know him and trust him 
to make straight the path. And so, Spirit of God, this is holy ground in that you call us, you speak to us through your word and through your still small voice in the heart in our quiet places. It's holy ground. Would we hear your voice? Would we hear your call? And would you find us ready to follow you by faith in 2019 in believing Jesus in your name? Amen.